Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Open Source Podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 21st, 2018. My name is Jeremy Hess, Community Manager at Cloudify. Today, we have a great group of panelists with us to discuss the ONAP project and dive into some of its use cases. Mobile World Congress is right around the corner, and ONAP is, of course, one of the biggest talking points in the networking world right now for telcos. So with us today, we have Amir Levy and Dwayne Philby from Cloudify, as well as some, as well as some of the great product and architecture team from AT&T Tel Aviv, who have worked on Ecomp and ONAP from the early days. We have Eden Rosin, Roy Benchai, and Michal Lando. So Amir, why don't you go ahead and start us off by introducing yourself. Hi, uh, Amir Levy, I'm uh, from Cloudify, based in uh, San Jose, California. I'm um, a technical uh, technical market uh, development uh, director in uh, Cloudify, working for uh, the CTO, uh, working the CTO office, and uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm responsible to the technical direction for Cloudify within ONAP. I sit in uh, ONAP uh, TSC as well as uh, the newly formed uh, Linux Foundation Network uh, Technical Advisory Committee. Great, thanks. And uh, Dwayne, why don't you go ahead and give us a short intro? Hi, my name is Dwayne Philpy. I'm a senior architect in the CTO office at Cloudify. Um, I'm a committer on the SO project in ONAP, a contributor to the ARIA project, uh, the Apache ARIA project, and uh, I guess that's it. Great, thanks. Okay, Eden, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself as well. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, guys. So I'm, I'm Eden Rosen. I lead the uh, product group in Tel Aviv that focused on what AT&T calls domain 2.0 activities. It's also the cloud activities based on OpenStack and, and obviously Ecom from the early days, from its prototype stage as a proprietary OSS uh, a framework uh, of AT&T and, and we did all, 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 the, all the needy stuff in order to get it to owner. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm, you can consider me as an eco veteran today. That's great. Thanks for that. All right, Michael, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay. Hi guys. Uh, my name is Michael Lando. I'm from the Tel Aviv AT&T team. My responsibilities in ONAP, I'm leading SDC as the project technical lead. In addition to that, I'm also responsible for the architecture overview of both SDC and VID in ONAP. Uh, my background is I've been working on SDC pretty much from day one. I'm, I've seen it grow from a small application during the, the last three years into what it is today. Great, some real veterans. Okay, and uh, Roy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Roy Benhai. I'm on Eden's product group, uh, working on the uh, ONAP developments that we're working on in Tel Aviv. Okay, great. Thanks, everybody. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. And uh, what I'm going to do is ask Amir to go ahead and give us a little bit of an introduction uh, to the ONAP project, what it's all about, and what they're really trying to push forward here. Sure. Thanks, Jeremy. So uh, the telecom industry is uh, standard-driven, and over the years, there have been multiple groups that have been formed to cover specific elements of the stack. 
there is notable contribution from IETF, IEEE, Etsy, uh, MEF, and TM Forum. A lot of uh, alphabet soup there. Uh, but the challenge is that, uh, that there's, there's, it's not just an alphabet soup, it's also a fragmentation between those groups. And it's been very difficult, especially in a, in a fast evolving uh, software world, um, to consistently meet the demand that the uh, roles of standard uh, are there, which is to ensure compatibility and, and interoperability. So um, within this void, uh, this has been uh, in the software world been, been led by de facto standard, this uh, product and open source project, we're able to demonstrate uh, compatibility and, and uh, achieve quite an amazing uh, productivity. We've seen projects like uh, OpenStack and uh, containers and NoSQL uh, really driving uh, de facto standards uh, that uh, that driven by adoption. The structure of them is more democratic as, as more developers can participate and contribute. It reduces the effect of political agendas from the way that projects are uh, driven by the ability of uh, individuals and companies to contribute uh, real code. Uh, but that creates by itself uh, uh, its own fragmentation of, of too many open source projects. Uh, each one of them is covering uh, different parts. And this where ONAP is, is such a significant uh, contribution and advancement is that um, it's an orchestration platform designed as an open source project. It's, it's policy driven. It, it looks at automation of uh, physical and virtual network uh, functions and enables uh, software network and IT. Uh, as a cloud provider for developers or for automating services and support uh, lifecycle management. ONAP is actually a merger of um, a previous uh, open source uh, project uh, led by China Mobile called OpenO. O stands for orchestration. Uh, this was uh, 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 being government, governed by the Linux Foundation. Later, um, AT&T were uh, willing to contribute uh, a very significant open source uh, contribution coming from their ecom uh, as an open ecom, and those uh, open ecom was merged with OpenO, and that created the ONAP, which is today the largest by both code base contribution, uh, active participants, and um, use case, uh, open source project uh, leading the orchestration work. So the, the ONAP is, is defining blueprints for use cases and the user community is pursuing uh, testing those blueprints and providing uh, both open source and commercial elements that integrate into the ONAP solution by that providing this uh, de facto standard or standard by code that uh, uh, is driving the overall uh, NFV uh, industry. By that, uh, maybe uh, Michael, you can cover uh, in a little bit more uh, details the ONAF architecture. 
Yeah, thank you, Amir. Uh, okay, so let's deep dive into it. So basically, it's important first to differentiate the on-app architecture into two separate parts. The, the definition is we have the design time and we have the runtime. The design time hosts the, the SDC and the NFSDK. Both of these applications are meant to receive VNFs, virtual network functions from different vendors, onboard them into SDC, and then model them into services. These services are basically templates that can be distributed to runtime components for orchestration. So basically in design time, you design. You have, you, you have different modeling capabilities. You can design VFs, services, workflows, the one that we mentioned, the BPMN. You can define policies. You can define many different components. All of these components are packaged together into a package called Caesar. This package is later distributed to the runtime components for orchestration. In ONAP, in the runtime components, you can find a lot of different components, each one responsible for a different part of the process. You will find SO, the service orchestrator, responsible for orchestration. You will find NDI, which is responsible for the inventory, understanding what is deployed where and where we can deploy it. You can find the DCIE, which is the main platform for monitoring and collecting the different notifications. You will find the policy, which is responsible for activating policies based on different pre-configured definitions. You will find the SDNC, which is the networking controller. You will find APSI, which is responsible for the different configurations. It's important to understand the scale of ONAP. ONAP is a huge platform that's been developed across from which came as a merger, as I said before, between the ECOMP from AT&T and OpenO. This, this was a successful merger because in the first release, we were already working together. We had different components coming from different open source communities and we managed to stitch them together in such a way that even in release one, we already had at least one working working use case that went through the different components. This is the greatness of ONAP and what we managed to achieve up until now. As we go forward in ONAP, we will have a lot of different capabilities being added to the ecosystem. The capabilities are range from capabilities regarding modeling, allow us to model different new items uh, or different new capabilities. You will have also runtime capabilities that are added. As an example, in release two, we'll have OOF, which is responsible for providing different homing policies for the VNFs that are being orchestrated, and much, much more. In the end, the system will grow to new heights as we progress forward. Thanks, uh, Michael, for the breakdown. Uh, very interesting stuff. And uh, you, you mentioned uh, a bit about modeling and stuff like that. So I think uh, it will be a good time to segue into a little bit about how the modeling in ONAP uh, works. And uh, we have Dwayne with us who, uh, as he mentioned earlier, is part of the SO project, has been a committer uh, to the SO project. And uh, Dwayne, would you give us a little bit of a breakdown uh, about, or a little explanation as to, you know, where the different modeling uh, types are uh, involved here to, specifically Tosca, obviously, and, and uh, BPMN. 
Yeah, sure. The, uh, so my my uh, basic focus in the uh, in the SO project is is to uh, incorporate uh, Tosca a little more deeply into the uh, into an otherwise uh, workflow dominated uh, design process. Um, the the current effort that I'm involved in is uh, essentially baking in a Tosca orchestrator uh, directly into the uh, into the uh, SO code base. Um, this is to not uh, not really to act as an alternate path per se to the uh, what you would call the nominal uh, BPMN workflows that are constituting. Own app today, but to act, sort of act as a different option for modeling. There's a there's a cooperation that occurs. Um, uh, uh, like we uh, we had just recently mentioned the uh, the introduction of uh, the OOF or the optimization framework. Uh, there's also the uh, the SDNC, which uh, deals with uh, allocating network resources. Um, those things are. Are preconditions even of a Tosca orchestration. Uh, they they essentially produce outputs that can be input into a a, a full blown Tosca orchestration, and that's uh, as far as the uh, the integration of Tosca. That's that's kind of where we stand. Uh, we're we're uh, we're functioning right now um, at a, uh, a VNF infrastructure level and looking to move Tosca a little higher up the stack into service orchestration. Great, all right, thanks for that breakdown, Dwayne, appreciate it. So what we'll do now, I think, is, you know, maybe get into a little bit uh, about the use cases that um, ONAP has brought forth already. Um, two of the, you know, flagship use cases are the VOLTE use case uh, and the VCPE use case. Uh, so I'll bring uh, Eden here in to uh, start us off. Uh, you know, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a rundown uh, of sort of how the different use cases were decided and uh, how they started, how they were built, and, and what you guys did, what your involvement was in the use cases. Yeah, sure, sure. So you know, from the from the first day of uh, own up uh, after we we. At least agreed on what would be the target architecture of ONAP after the uh, merge between uh, OpenO and, and Ecom. Open Ecom, we we set as a goal in ONAP to to be you know to be very fast, very quick with what ONAP can can do. Right? We are not a standard body as as, as Amir mentioned. We are a reference implementation, so so we need you know to get some some results of them. And one of the things was to to start in introducing new uh, use cases. So um, it was decided to promote two use cases and approve them in the in the TSC forum as use cases for uh, the Amsterdam release, uh, release number A, the first one, and and it was the VCPE use case. The VCPE use case was uh, a use case developed or at least uh, proposed by uh, AT&T and by Andox and other other important uh, um, uh, members in in the uh, in the community. And the Volti use case, the voice of the LTE use case, came from China Mobile and China Telecom, and, and mostly from the interest of the uh, uh, Chinese members coming from uh, open open O community. 
Um, it was very challenging to take two kind of use cases, totally different. One is, is, is 4G kind of a use case. Another one is a business, uh, uh, businesses uh, deployment kind of a use case inside a VCPE. Uh, and, and to make them works on the same, on the same reference architecture, that we just managed to, st to stitch in a way and, and to make the, this available. And I think, I think this is the, the power of, of ONAP in this way, how we can make things in, I, I would say, standard and abstract enough for many, many use cases to work on the same platform, run by an automation, design in a way that like you're designing Legos or building blocks, not doing anything with, with snowflakes, not doing anything very uh, unique and tailored to the use case itself. And, and we managed to pull it off in Amsterdam release. Um, Roy, maybe you can you can describe what is the BCP use case, what is it about, who is who is going to use it, and, and why. Okay, sure. Thank you, Adam. Uh, well, VCP stands for Virtual Customer Premises Equipment. Well, uh, traditionally, communication service providers have always provided uh, home customers with uh, services through what's called a residential gateway device. That's a, an actual physical device that is located in the home and, and gives all the uh, services, uh, be that uh, voice or data, um, to the customer. The disadvantages of having uh, all that in a, in a physical box is that uh, if you want to introduce new services, then you sometimes usually have to replace the hardware or you can, it could take a lot of time. So nowadays that there are a lot of new emerging services such as uh, smart home and home security and augmented reality uh, um, applications, well, that, that having a physical box that's not, uh, not agile enough to change with uh, the requirements it's just something you, you can't live with these days. So, so the solution for that is to, is to split it into, uh, you, you still need some sort of hardware at the customer site, right? So uh, the solution is to split it into two separate components. One's called a bridge residential gateway, a BRG, which is a simple box at the customer home. Uh, mostly what it does, it just connects through a logical subscriber link to, uh, to the second component, which is called the virtual gateway, okay, or VG. Now the VG is, is where all, uh, all the uh, smart things happen. It hosts all the network functions and all the services for the customer. So each customer has one physical BRG at his home and he would have uh, a corresponding VG, uh, which is hosted uh, on, a, on an edge cloud, at the provider's uh, cloud. Okay, and through, through that, uh, once you, the VG is of course, uh, as its name suggests, is virtual. So uh, doing that, you can have a machine that you can uh, manage and upgrade and change and add services to uh, all the time without having to upgrade any software, uh, hardware, sorry. Okay, so that means no technicians have to come to the customer's uh, house. Um, much easier, a much easier process, and you can it streamlines the uh, process of uh, adding new services from months to uh, you know to minutes uh, potentially. Okay, now um, in ONAP, what we did is we we modeled uh, 
this use case, the VCP use case, into six uh, services. Uh, some of them are shared infrastructure services, and uh, the BRG and the VG are per customer services. Okay, now, um, in a nutshell, what this use case does is, is it allows service providers to uh, provide more agile services to home customers to be able to upgrade or add uh, value services. They can add, uh, they can add uh, VPNs, they can add firewalls, they can add, add antivirus software, uh, web filtering, uh, parental control, all sorts of added value services that uh, just wouldn't have been possible to add uh, without upgrading a physical device in the traditional uh, sort of uh, solution. Great, thanks for that. And uh, so you guys want to also go into a little bit about the uh, Volti use case as well? I think we'll focus on the VCP use case. Maybe maybe uh, we can drill a bit about because I think one of the of, of the things we can discuss together is the modeling of it and and I think the modeling of it is is kind of kind of uh, uh, neat and, and and important to discuss uh, so maybe maybe we can we can share a bit about how the model looks like definitely okay so uh, obviously we'll cut a lot of things here and 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 so the modeling of of, uh, of the VCP use case is kind of kind of interesting because we have VNFs and we have services that are infrastructure services. For example, a VDNS. A VDNS is something that I probably deploy once or once per site in any kind of an architecture. And then when I have a customer that needs to get a, a DNS services or virtual DNS services, he needs in a way to use it. Right? I would not deploy a VC a VDNS in for every every specific customer this this won't work so we we immediately saw that that for this use case and for other use cases that we, we already solved in in many ways is that we need to differentiate between services that we call infrastructure services and other services which are the customer services and in a way we need uh, 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 to uh, emphasize the ability in the model for a customer service to use, I would say, a slice, okay, let's do it free, free away, a slice of, of an infrastructure service. And a slice, you know, it's a concept that, that it's abstract enough to say, I need a DNS services, I need maybe a DHCP services, maybe I need both, maybe I need a quality of service from an infrastructure service, some kind of precedence to my, my traffic, maybe I need a, a, an IP address of it, so I need something from the infrastructure service that it can provide to me in order to complete the customer service or the orderable service that I need to uh, uh, to now orchestrate. So immediately we differentiate between the two, the infrastructure and the customer service. And, and we needed to make a way to model this kind of slice. So we introduced uh, uh, in ONAP the concept of allotted resources. Allotted resources are kind of a model that, that can uh, uh, explain or at least emphasize uh, um, a slice of, of what we need. And in this particular example, we have an allotted resource that is a tunnel cross-connect in order to create a, a very specific cross-connect connect for the VPN that is part of the customer uh, uh, um, service itself. And, and, and uh, we use this allotted resource as a node type in Tosca. 
so it can be a part of the orderable customer service template and and the orchestration knows when he uh, orchestration function knows when when it saw it sees the uh, uh, the allotted resource in the template what exactly it should perform so so this was our way of introducing this uh, a new modeling concept in ONAP in R1. I think that's uh, that's a super important uh, uh, details and information. I and I think uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty much it's pretty noted by the industry and. Uh, uh, the, those use cases, uh, specifically BCPE, Vaulty, and coming to the next release uh, with some new use cases, are really making an impact on the way that the customers are seeing ONAP and understanding the impact of ONAP um, in in their production network, in their ability to modernize the data center and move from a legacy network environment which um, uh, those uh, solutions were prescribed uh, mainly by uh, hardware and, and integration as, as uh, legacy network devices and now uh, into a, a much more dynamic and, and scaling uh, driven by software automation uh, platform. So I, I, I think uh, it's important to just, just uh, uh, I, I want to kind of uh, re reemphasize some of those uh, um, areas that, that impact, uh, uh, we see that impact on our customers that coming to us and, and understanding that um, we, we can deliver. So if you look at Cloudify, Cloudify is a, is a fully feature orchestration platform that, that can deliver automation end to end. Uh, but but the, the point where, where uh, Cloudify is, as, a, as a, a plug, as a, a technology that can enable a lot of technologies uh, beneath it, uh, there is a need for uh, modeling, for example, and the, the Tosca as a key area to, to, that enable the modeling uh, structure and language uh, to enable uh, real uh, free or, or pure uh, ability to interoperate between different companies and to deliver uh, those NFV solutions and not as a cookie cutter uh, uh, vertical integration that, that uh, one company can do, but rather as an open environment of innovation that uh, each company can uh, contribute its own innovation. Um, we as Cloudify, we provide orchestration. There is a lot of innovation that happens in the VNF level, uh, virtual network functions. Uh, there is a lot of innovation that happens at the SDN layer. And uh, I, I don't think we mentioned enough the, the fact that uh, uh, ONAP is, uh, looks beyond the orchestration of just the virtual devices. It, it's an overall automation platform for a service provider to, to deliver end-to-end -end services. So um, I think uh, we see it uh, from, from the Cloudify side as something that uh, drives uh, the 
the ability for customers to embrace those technologies and to have a, a little bit better uh, understanding of how this technology is actually unlocks them and provide them uh, future opportunities to integrate more innovation and to avoid the old lock-in mechanism in which uh, you know company can only guarantee uh, integration between its own components and and uh, nowadays when you know 100% of the service providers that we talk to are um, really embracing the standardization uh, effort that, that ONA bring. So I think um, we've seen uh, before innovation coming from companies. We also seen um, there, is, there is other groups that were pretty active in trying to uh, formalize the Etsy standards and, and make uh, those, those, those long list of requirement and, and open source code, which is, which is a valid approach, but I think the ONAP approach that's driven by the use cases and driven by a, a large community of, uh, of committers and contributors uh, of member companies and individual uh, uh, can create a, a very quick uh, pace uh, innovation uh, that, uh, that, that brings uh, a much, much uh, needed uh, integration between uh, those different uh, uh, software component or mainly software driven component. I think uh, one of those companies that uh, is embracing uh, ONAP technology is the one company that contributes probably the most to ONAP. So maybe my colleagues uh, from AT&T can tell more about how the ONAP software is impacting uh, the way that they are uh, embracing uh, software-based technologies in their network. Yeah, sure. So, okay. so you know, we, we developed Ecom from, I would say, uh, the early days of 2014. Um, as a prototype, uh, we released a, a white paper, a well-known white paper about Ecom and, and what is uh, Ecom mission, what are we trying to achieve? And and I think I think AT&T management saw immediately a drastic change in in the industry only because of the white paper and and AT&T willingness to reconsider uh, most of its its OSS layer. You know, AT&T even today has many many um, OSS systems that are running in the network in order to. Um, introduce new services, orchestrate new services, uh, govern the network, do any kind of configuration and, and alarm collect, collection and so on, uh, which is, you know, it's ridiculous. Why, why won't we uh, come to uh, any kind of standardization around this area and, and, and try and streamline services as much as we can to run innovation on AT&T network and open AT&T network in a way that AT&T can provide to its, its customers uh, benefits in, in, in days and not in, not in years to deploy a new service. So, so it, really, it really is about uh, uh, how we can streamline new services. And obviously the byproduct of it is, is when we talk about open source and AT&T contribute, I think, 80% of, uh, of uh, uh, the early code of uh, ONAP itself uh, is, is 
also to to uh, um, you know open open the lock in with with the vendors themselves because AT&T network is and, and was built based on a lot of uh, uh, vendors and the knowledge is on their side uh, uh, and it's also some a real benefit to AT&T and if we are able and I think I think we are. Uh, is to make 80% of the use cases, like the majority of them, generic enough. Uh, AT&T can do a lot of automation, which reduces a lot of cost. And obviously, it's become uh, less error-prone and, 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 and much more uh, effective. Uh, so AT&T set a goal, uh, I think in 2012, to virtualize uh, most of its network, like Nyom, even 100% of the network, and 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 AT&T, I think, uh, said by the end of 2017, uh, just a few months back, uh, that uh, AT&T virtualized 55 and above percent of the network. So we are we are working towards a full virtualization, uh, uh, which will uh, be a great great achievement to AT&T. So so it's you know it's all about all about making making things much faster, much accurate, and to unlock automation as much as we can. Amir, I have, I have a question. You know, you you mentioned uh, um, the old old days of, and, and even today, the standard bodies like uh, uh, like uh, um, IEEE and 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 MEP, and we know that MEP is now part of Phoneup as well. How do you see the uh, uh, Maybe a, a good cooperation between a standard body like Archipelie and MAP and, and, and maybe Tosca standards like Etsy and and with uh, an owner kind of all open source reference architectural development cycle. Do you see any any way that we can you know interact between the two methods in order to make things better? Yeah, I think uh, you see that. Uh, so, so first of all, on the kind of the logistical uh, note is that uh, we uh, ONAP did form a, uh, an official liaison with uh, ITF, with uh, Etsy, with MEF and TM Forum, and um, within those different. Uh, 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 standard bodies, they they looked at they look at ONAP as a early adopter and early provider of the standardization uh, information. So the 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 whole cycle of standardization has changed from um, let's uh, sit in the room for ten years or or more, uh, figure out the standard then go and, and build the hardware and software that articulates it to a world where uh, we as ONAP uh, look at the use cases of what the industry needs, uh, think through and, and work in, on a working code that articulates what the, the actual users need. And uh, we do work with the standard bodies to make sure that uh, uh, the de facto code is not siloed and and it is uh, designed to answer a broader interoperability and uh, and and view so um we've we've had those discussions within uh, the modeling group uh, within ONAP and um we as a member company is also in Tosca 
uh, I can tell you that uh, most of the discussions in Tosca about uh, the NFV profile and the progression of standardizing the Tosca portion uh, is focused on the use cases and the examples that brought forth, uh, both, brought forward by uh, Ona. So there is actually there is there is already an effective cycle uh, between the standard bodies. Um, where uh, they contribute and the, the same uh, people that contribute uh, the standards are contributing uh, a code and we are uh, documenting the code and, and going back and, and, and working and making sure that the, the standards uh, evolve together with the code. Uh, and the notable uh, difference is, is MEF, which is, is not the traditional standard body but uh, there was a, an announcement of uh, their uh, lifecycle management uh, use cases and the way that uh, those use cases are now integrated uh, within ONAP and, and with a view of uh, ONAP as the, 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 the technical articulation of uh, the MEF uh, lifecycle orchestration. So, um, uh, there, there is definitely uh, a lot of uh, a lot of joint work uh, being done there. Um, maybe uh, Dwayne, uh, if you can uh, cover from your side because you've probably uh, been uh, heavily involved here in in the way that uh, modeling is actually delivering an actual. Um, and through an actual orchestration and automation through your integration of Tosca into the SO. Can, can you uh, speak a little bit about uh, some of the, the, the differences in the automation approach between um, the workflows that, that were uh, more structured around uh, uh, and, and, the, and the way that uh, uh, we we see workflow automation uh, in the future for Ona. Yeah, sure. Um, this discussion typically boils down to the uh, imperative versus declarative uh, 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 juxtaposition, if you will. The the um, the difference in approach from having a goal driven system or a model driven system model. Uh, in the Tosca sense um, versus something that's uh, completely imperative. So uh, in some ways, uh, it's a false choice. The, uh, um, you could view the model, a, a Tosca model, as simply a, 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 a goal state for the network or service that you're trying to deploy. And the uh, the actual workflows are hidden in the uh, are completely generic and hidden inside uh, the actual Tosca orchestrator. Um, so, but th these uh, these kinds of uh, constructs are are really uh, it's not an all or nothing uh, uh, situation. For example, as I mentioned earlier, the SO. Um, because of the of uh, the organization of ONAP itself, uh, the the model may actually be multiple models. We talked about uh, the VNF infrastructure level. 
There's the VNF itself, which could be separate from that in the Tosca um, template sense. And then there's uh, also services above that that can be modeled in Tosca, which may be treating uh, VNF models as black boxes, essentially. All right, so a lot of, uh, a lot of how this is going to uh, uh, play out um, is, uh, you know, it's still to be written. Um, I think we see as Cloudify, um, uh, uh, sees the Tosca sense of a uh, topographic style model of the deployed network, which represents a goal state. Um, this is really going to be the only way that uh, that future automation, higher level automation, say involving machine learning, will actually be able to be done because. Uh, there has to be an explicit goal state. You can't just have uh, um, a collection of uh, bespoke uh, workflows uh, for each uh, use case. You know, you need a, uh, a, a model that's somewhat constrained or a collection of models that can actually be treated as a, as a goal for the system. So the system can <clears throat> auto heal without specifically having code written because you know, the, the end state is already baked into the model. There's, there's, the goal is known, you know, and if you modify the model, you modify the real world and, and, and back and forth it goes. This is a similar, similar to the approach taken, for example, by Kubernetes itself, um, which of course is being uh, adopted widely infrastructure-wise in ONAP. Um, but uh, it's a it's a similar type of concept that the uh, uh, the configuration represents or the model represents the goal state of the system. Right. I, I, I think I think this is this is a great discussion, and and we are I think in the SDC community working with Tosca in the past uh, three years. I really I really lean towards a full declarative uh, model, but we do we do at least can admit that some of the, um, um, I would say, ops use case, operation use case, mainly around the day one of a service lifecycle, like the change management kind of activity, at least some of them will probably stay as imperative task-based uh, orchestration because I'm not sure you are able to really code or, or declare the end state of, of what you are looking for. But uh, I think I think it's not uh, a 50-50 kind of uh, um, uh, orchestration methodology. It would be lean. It should lean towards declarative or full declarative, like 80-20% with some uh, um, imperative capabilities for change management. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you're facing uh, the same. The same kinds of things uh, when you talk about going from maybe the early auto industry where everything is custom built to something that's mass produced, um, and you know there there are certain there are certain things that were given up by moving to a mass production model, but they were quickly swept aside because of the advantages of standardization and and uh, orchestration but i would i would say that uh, tosca does have built into it a you know a, a pretty liberal uh, 
we, we do think of day one, you know, instantiation as being the be all and end all of Tosca, but it's really, it, it really isn't. Uh, it's, there's, uh, there is a facility for adding custom workflows that can operate on the model in arbitrary ways, in ways that uh, Michael was describing. So I guess, I guess One uh, question that, uh, I wouldn't say pure, purity is not, is not a good approach in general. I think we have to be somewhat, uh, uh, somewhat uh, flexible in meeting reality, you know, with, uh, with some of these, uh, these concepts and, and see where it leads us. But, uh, but uh, the, the value of having a defined uh, goal state for the, for the overall system, I think is essential. Well, okay, guys. So, uh, thank you all for so far this you know really great discussion. Um, we're just gonna wrap things up here. So, uh, do any of you guys have any sort of last things you want to get in? Anything that uh, might you know might want to mention about what you see going forward with ONAP? Yeah. So, so I think I think um, now for for the audience, we we are in Beijing release the the second release, and it's really focused on on hardening. Uh, uh, Ecom, uh, sorry, hardening ONAP, of course, uh, making it much more easier to deploy, to operate, to to have a service on it, and and in parallel there is a lot of discussions and and a great work on how we can come with a unified information model and later on with a unified data model, uh, at least for the SDC part, fully based on Tosca as it is, it is today. Uh, I think it's going to progress us forward. Uh, it's not concluded yet. We are in a detailed discussions, and, and the discussions and the implementation itself of the alignment of the model will come in, in the third release in Casablanca with more use cases uh, up ahead. So, so I think I think one of the challenges for ONAP is to at least to stay very very focused around use cases to uh, try to make the architecture works. It means that that we need to keep uh, the architecture not as liberal as other open source uh, projects to keep the components intact to to make the right borders between the component and the right interfaces i think that the model is centric if we can pull a unified modeling we have all the building blocks we need in order to do automation uh, and 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 with that it will be much easier to provide all the use cases ahead and, and make on up a, a, you know a success i think this is this is the goal and i hope i hope you know other community members are, are, are you know aligned with with those goals i fully agree uh, with that uh, and uh, moreover uh, we've seen that um, one of the major uh, uh, one of the major events that uh, happened very recently is an open source community. ONAP is now integrated uh, together with uh, some very distinguished uh, other open source projects like Open Daylight, uh, FDIO, and OPNFV. Uh, we are all together now in a, in a single, uh, we call it an umbrella project called the Linux Foundation Network. And uh, I think uh, what, what Linux Foundation Network brings is the ability to work across the, the project uh, chasms uh, as, as we deliver uh, software uh, open source uh, to, the, to the masses. So um, 
we already had a lot of uh, collaboration between the project, but now we have a shared uh, advisory committee, a shared board, a shared budget, uh, and and those uh, uh, and and this should bring the collaboration uh, even further, uh, delivering um, the next generation use cases and and simplifying some of those tough uh, decisions that uh, uh, need to happen. Uh, and and I uh, I'm very optimistic, uh, looking forward, and and uh, judging from from how much you, we have. Uh, gone so far, uh, looking at, uh, you know, Beijing coming out of town and, and also very soon we'll start uh, planning and discussing the use cases for the next release. So uh, this is a very exciting times in, uh, in open source and with the NFV industry as a whole. Yeah, uh, really great stuff, everybody. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground in this podcast. Uh, higher level, understanding strategically where ONAP is at, uh, talking in detail about the architecture and how ONAP was built. So I really want to thank every one of you, Amir, Duane, Eden, Michael, Roy. Thank you all very much for your time. And uh, until next time, we'll see you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it.